You're listening to audio from Queen City Church. Thank you for joining us. We hope this message will encourage you and offer practical steps for a relationship with God that keeps getting better and better. I am so excited for today. I'm so ready to preach. Um, I'm telling you, I, I, I feel like I'm kind of all wound up. I feel like I got some fire in my bones and I want to preach. And, uh, and I, I'm so excited. I've, my, my heart is, has so much expectation for what God wants to do. I truly believe that he has given me a message for our church at the start of this brand new year. But before I share that, I do want to warn you, um, and this is my warning to this message, is that this message is going to be challenging. It is. Um, I'm not messing around today. I'm probably going to step on your toes in some way. I'm going to get all up in your business But hopefully it's not just challenging. Hopefully this message is also convicting. So before I share anything, um, I do want to ask your permission to go the distance. I want to ask your permission to go 100%. I want to ask your permission to keep it 100 and to be straight up and to be real. Um, So is it okay for me to go the distance? Is it okay for me to say it the way that God told me to say it? Like, do I have your permission to preach strong today? Okay, thank you. Uh, I will, if you did not answer, I'm sorry. Uh, You should have been more vocal. No, like, who would do that? Uh, All right, let's go to the other message I prepared. Um, Okay, Mark chapter eight. I wanna read two verses uh, that I believe are two of the most challenging verses in all the Bible. Like these are words that Jesus said that I believe that if the magnitude and the weight of these words hit our heart today, we will never be the same. Mark chapter eight, two verses, verse 34 and verse 35. It says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he meaning Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, You must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Today, if you're taking notes... I want to share a message that I've entitled, Is There One More? Is there one more? Like many of the altar calls I grew up hearing in church. Come on, is there one more? You get to the end, everybody responded, and then it's like, wait a second. I just feel it in my spirit. Is there one more? Is there one more? Let's pray. God, we just, uh, we invite you into this space. God, would you let your word come alive? And I ask that you would speak to us today. We give you permission. We don't want to play church or go through any religious motions. We want to hear from you. So God, would you speak to us? And God, I ask for one more. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Now, uh, I've known for a while that I would be sharing this very first message of our first conference, and I've actually known this for months. I've I've been praying and thinking and studying, and I I really had this whole plan to be able to share a message 
about putting God first. And uh, I, I felt like that that was appropriate. I felt like it was very fitting for the, something that we're calling First Conference to talk about putting God first. But this week, as I started to write and prepare, I really felt like God like really called an audible. And I felt like he spoke to me and said, that's not what I want you to talk about. And I was like, but God, I'm a planner and I have all these things kind of laid out and I know exactly what I want to share. And I feel like you've led me in this. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like save it because you'll share it one day. But I don't want you to say that. So today, my assignment is very simple. My assignment is that I'm unapologetically inviting you to be a follower of Jesus. That's what I feel like God has sent me here today. And I believe that he brought you here today, that none of us are here by accident. None of us are watching online by accident. And that I am here to invite you to be a follower of Jesus. Now, to be crystal clear, I'm not inviting you into religion. To be crystal clear, I'm not inviting you to join a church. I'm not inviting you to even believe in Jesus. I'm not inviting you to receive the free gift of grace and to accept Jesus as your Savior. That's not what I'm inviting you to as respectfully as I can. There are a lot of people who have received the free gift of grace and accepted Jesus as their Savior, but they are not following Jesus. There are a lot of people that I believe believe in Jesus, but they don't follow Jesus. There are a lot of people who have maybe been in church their entire lives, but they're not following Jesus. There are people who are going to go to heaven one day, but they're not following Jesus right now. So whether you have grown up in church or maybe today is the very first time that you've ever been in a church. Today, I'm inviting you to be a follower of Jesus. That whether you're a Christian or not, today, I'm inviting you to be a follower of Jesus. Whether you are young or old, I'm inviting you to be a follower of Jesus, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, no matter what your past looks like, no matter where you're from, I am inviting you to be a follower of Jesus, whether it's for the very first time or whether it would be a fresh commitment all over again. I'm inviting you to be a follower of Jesus. Now, the biblical kind of theological word for a follower of Jesus is this word you see in the New Testament called being a disciple. It is this Greek word, mathetes, mathetes. Why don't you say that on the count of three, just to sound all educated and smart, mathetes, on the count of three. One, two, three. Beautiful. And uh, it's this word that, that means disciple. It's translated disciple in, in your Bible, that it's mathetes. And this word is used 261 times in the New Testament. And in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, which is known as the Great Commission. This is the mission that Jesus himself gives us before he ascends into heaven. And it is where we get our mission as a church. If you come to Grow Track today, I'll tell you all about that. Here's what Jesus says 
in the mission that he gives us before he goes to heaven. He says in verse 19, therefore go and make disciples. Make followers of Jesus, of all the nations, of every single person breathing on planet earth, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then teach these new disciples, these new followers of me, to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. Church, listen, we are not called to make converts. We are not called by Jesus to have people who go to church. We are called to make disciples. We are called to follow Jesus, to be a follower of Jesus, to live how he lived, to do what he did, to talk like he talked, to treat people how he treated people, to prioritize what he prioritized. In other words, to follow Jesus in every single area of our life, in our emotions, in our relationships, in our time, in our thoughts, in our words, in our lives, every single part of our lives, not a part of our lives, not a compartmentalized period of our life, not for an hour on Sunday, not 50% of our lives, not 90% of our lives, not even just 99%, and then there's that one thing that you don't want to give them. No, we are called. He asked us to give him our life, to be able to follow him with 100%. Listen, listen, Jesus didn't come to just save you from your sins, which he did. But he didn't come just to do that. He also came to show you how to live your life. In fact, he says this in John chapter 10, verse 10. In the message, he says, I came so that they could have real and eternal life. And then he says this, a more and better life than they ever dreamed of. In other words, that the best life that we can ever live is found following Jesus, being a follower, being a disciple of Jesus. But look me in the eyes, look me in the eyes, look me in the eyes. As your pastor, I have to tell you this. That life, that more and better life it comes with a price tag. It will cost you something. Now, let me make this very clear. Grace is a free gift that does not cost you anything. Because if it did cost you something, it would no longer be a gift. But scripture is very clear. Grace, the ability to have your sins forgiven so that you can one day have your relationship with God restored in heaven. That is a free gift. But that life, the more and better life that you could experience right now, it will cost you something. It has a price tag. And until you are willing to pay that price, you will never experience the more and better life that Jesus talks about, that he has to offer, that he shows us. Here's, here's what will happen. You'll try the church thing, and you'll say it didn't work. You'll be like, okay, I'm going all in. This is the year, New Year's resolution. I'm in, I'm here, boom, okay? Okay, you want me to do this first conference thing? I'll do it. 21 days of prayer, I'm praying. You'll, and then all of a sudden you'll look up and be like, well, I tried it, it didn't work. Because that life, it costs something. It costs something. 
there's a price tag to this. Now, don't get me wrong. You'll still go to heaven, but you won't experience the life that he's talking about in John chapter 10, verse 10. You can only experience that life one way, and that's by following Jesus, by being a disciple of Jesus. So here's the big question today. Well, if that life costs something, what does it cost? What is the price tag? Well, Jesus, he straight up tells us in Mark chapter 8. This is what he says in verse 34. I'm telling you, the most challenging, one of the most challenging verse in all the Bible is right here. It, it confronts me every time I read it. It says this, Mark 8, 34. It says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower. All right, you want to know the cost? You want to know the price tag of following me? You want to know what it costs to be my disciple? You must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. He says, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be one of my disciples, there's some conditions. There are these three prerequisites. There's three things that you must do. And write these down. Number one, straight from the text, you must turn from your selfish ways. He said right off the bat, that's what you got to do. That's what it costs. You got to turn from your selfish ways. And can I be honest with you? Like I got some selfish ways. Like your boy is selfish at times. I used to think that I wasn't a selfish person. I was like, man, I think I'm a pretty selfless person until I got married. I'm like, where are my married people at? <laughs> Can I get an amen from there? Okay. It's true. It's like, I like my things. There's a right way to do the toilet paper, and, uh, and you do it wrong. And so, like, I want it my way. And so, like, they, I just learned that, man I, man, I got some selfish ways. And then I really found out how selfish I was when we had kids. Oh, my goodness. I'm convinced that kids are a mirror to all the ways that we are jacked up. And that kids are a mirror in all the ways that we are really deep down selfish. And, you know, because it's like, but I don't want to watch another episode of Paw Patrol. I want to watch the game. The game is on. I don't want to do that. If, if I got to listen to Baby Shark one more time, I'm going to lose my mind. Like, I'm literally going to go insane if I have to do that. Just an honest moment in church. I, I got selfish ways. Is there anybody else? Honest moment. I would love to see some hands, some participation. Anybody else got some selfish ways in here? Yeah. If you didn't have your hand raised, please talk to me after service. Tell me your secrets. Um, Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you must turn from your selfish ways. If this direction is the selfish ways, you must turn and they've got to go. Like, I know you want to go that way, but I want you to go this way. I know you want to go do that, but I want you to do that. I know you want to treat people like that, but I don't want you to treat people like that. I know you want to talk to your spouse that way. I know you want to talk to your kids, your parents, your friends, your coworkers like that. But I don't want you to talk to them like that. I know you want to run your business like that, but I don't want you to run your business like that. I know you want to post that, 
But I don't want you to post that. I know you had your plan for your life, but that's not my plan for your life. See, I grew up in church. And I I gave my life to Jesus when I was about 13 years old, but I really made the decision to follow Jesus when I was 18 years old on June 25th, 1999, over 23 years ago. And at that time, I was an exercise science major at my college. And the reason why I was an exercise science major is not because I was passionate about exercise science, It's because I love sports. I grew up playing sports, and I just wanted to be around the game, and I wasn't good enough to actually keep playing at the college level, but I thought, hey, man, I can at least be around the sport. But then shortly after, I made the decision to follow Jesus, to really, like, try to turn from my selfish ways. Um, Pretty soon after that, he literally called me to full-time ministry. And I initially was like, no! And Jesus was like, yes! And the reason why is because all I knew was my church growing up. And I was like, I do not want to go work there. Are you telling me like I've got to do that for the rest of my life? I am out. And he's like, no, this is what I want you to do. Like I made you for this. And I had to turn from my selfish ways. And if you want to be a follower of Jesus, he says that, number one, you must turn from your selfish ways. But he doesn't stop there. He says, number two, that you must take up your cross. Now, we have to understand that when he said this, this is before Jesus went to the cross. And so today, a cross is used for, like, cool jewelry and tattoos, But then, at the time that he said this, a cross symbolized death. See, Jesus is saying, when he says this statement, he's saying, listen, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to die to yourself. You're going to have to die to your will, your ways, your agenda, your plans, your preferences, your natural leans your opinions, your comfort. You're going to have to die to being in control because he says, I'm in control. Like, I'm behind the wheel. I told her to write that song, Jesus, take the wheel, because I'm behind the wheel, not you. I'm in control. You're going to have to die to being in charge because Jesus says, I'm in charge. I'm the boss. Like what I says goes from now on. Even if you don't like it, even if it's outside of your comfort zone, even if it's outside of your natural personality, even when it's unpopular, even if you don't agree, I'm in charge, you follow me. By the way, you don't even know that you're following until you disagree. Let's just be real. You don't even know that you're following Jesus until you disagree with Jesus. Because think about it. When you disagree, it's the true test whether you're following or not. Because I don't want to do that, but you tell me to do this. And so, and it really shows you whether you've died to yourself or not. But I love 
I love how Romans chapter 12, verse 1, specifically in the message paraphrase, it puts it this way. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Another translation says, make yourself a living sacrifice. I love that term because you're alive. Like you make the choice to crawl up on the altar, and you make the choice to stay there. And sometimes you have to make that choice over and over and over and over and over again. I am choosing to give him my life to to literally die to myself. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, he says, number one, you must turn from your selfish ways. And two, you must take up your cross. And then he says, number three, you must follow me. You, so you must follow Jesus. That's what he's asking. If you want to know what it means to be a follower of Jesus, it's those three things. You must follow Jesus, not culture, not the latest trends or ideologies that you see on social media, not a political party, not yourself, not another person. No, you must follow Jesus through your good days, through your bad days, through your normal, boring days, every single day from now until you breathe your last breath and go to heaven, you must follow Jesus. That means that you must literally take on like his way of life and live life the way that Jesus lived his life. By the way, that's why it is so important for you to know Jesus, for you to study Jesus, for you to be able to learn about him and how he lived his life. Here's why. Because you will never follow someone that you don't know. You won't. I, I won't. Like we won't follow someone that we don't know. And that's why next week, I'm so excited because we're starting a brand new sermon series that we're calling A New Way to Be Human, where we're going to be talking about the life that Jesus invites us all into, which is so different than the cultural norm. Because let's be honest, normal in 2023, always in a hurry, always like in a rush, always busy, like maxed out, stressed out, always tired, like normal in 2023, it's not working. And that's because we're not supposed to live life that way. Jesus offers us a brand new way how to live life, a new way to be human. And that's again going to start next Sunday. I'm so excited. So if you want to be a follower of Jesus, he says, number one, that you must turn from your selfish ways, two, you must take up your cross, and three, you must follow Jesus. But this week, here's how I wanna end. I saw a detail in this verse that I'd never seen before, and it's who he talked to. So to help illustrate this, I'm actually gonna ask our, uh, our entire leadership team uh, to come up here, come up here, come up to the front. I want you to kind of stand like right here. Right here, maybe like that aisle, just kind of blob up. And I want you to face me, okay? Everybody, this is our leadership team who serves our church so well. Come on, you can clap your hands for them. Show them a little honor. Show them a little love. I love you guys. You guys are amazing. And uh, this is our leadership team. And, uh, but, I, but I saw something, you right there, hi. I can still see you. That's it. Um, but I, I want to I I let this verse come alive to you. I want you to see this. And I, I, think, I think God wants to do something special right here, uh, I think. I think I heard him. 
Um, if not, I just ate some bad pizza this week, and you just have to forgive me. Um, but right before this verse, um, he's having a conversation with his 12 disciples. And so just imagine that this group of people represents the 12 disciples. And if you read the context before this verse, it says that when he's talking to them, he has this intimate conversation with them, and he just says, hey, guys, like, who do people say that I am? And then one of them steps up, Peter, and he says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And he goes, you're right. That's exactly right. That's who I am. And he said, but I got to be honest, I'm actually going to die. Like, I, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to die, but don't worry about it. Because three days later, I'm actually going to rise from the dead. And then the same guy who answered the question right. The Bible, it actually says that Peter, he took him aside. Jesus, come here, come here. And the Bible says that he began to reprimand Jesus. It's like, Jesus, listen to me. Don't ever say it again. Like, I don't, I don't ever want you to say that. That should never come out of your mouth again. You ain't going to die. If somebody comes try to kill you, they're going to die. Okay? And then... Jesus just went strong, strong. Jesus' response was this. Get behind me, Satan. Okay. This is my, my, my disciple, my follower, that just answered a question correct and said, okay, no, no, no. Get behind me, Satan. Just went, just Satan on him. And um, so that's exactly the context. The very next verse is Mark chapter 8. Verse 34, the very next verse. But I want you to notice who he's talking to because before that, he's talking to this group of people. Here's what it says. Then calling the crowds to join his disciples, he said, if anyone wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. Listen, he's not talking to his 12 disciples because they had already made that decision. See, because in this group was Matthew, who in Matthew chapter 9 of your Bible quits his job as a tax collector in the middle of a shift to follow Jesus, leaves everything. In this group is Peter, James, John, and Andrew, these four fishermen, that after their best day fishing ever in Luke chapter 5, it says that they dropped their nets and left everything to follow Jesus. In this group is Philip, who in John chapter 1 is just sitting underneath a fig tree when Jesus rolls up on the scene and just says, Hey, dude under a fig tree, follow me. And he leaves everything to follow Jesus. Get this, get this, get this. This is so important. This is so important. He wasn't just talking to his disciples. He was talking to the crowd. Like he, he is talking to his disciples, but then he turns his attention to the crowd. It's almost like Jesus is saying, like, I have these 12 disciples. 
these 12 followers, but it's not enough. Like, as amazing as these people are, as called as they are, as, a, as, as gifted as they are, as talented as they are, in order to accomplish what I want to accomplish in the world, in order for the gospel to go around the world for generations, that this message that I have, that I want to one day, over 2,000 years later, to get to Cincinnati, Ohio, at a, at a high school on a Sunday, like in order to accomplish what I want to accomplish in the, in the world, we're going to need more than this. So Jesus turns to the crowd. And it's like he said, so is there one more? Like, is there just one more person who will say, as scary as it is, as intimidating as it is, as high of a price that it really costs at the entry level of what he's asking us to do, as scary as that is, as overwhelming as that can be, as sacrificing as that may require, is there at least one more person that will turn from their selfish ways and take up their cross and follow me? Now here's how I felt led to end today. And I've never done this before, but I think it's God. I know that these amazing people have made the decision to be followers of Jesus. I know that the people that are standing up here have counted that cost, that have made the decision that no matter what, I will die. I will turn from my selfish ways. I will take up the cross that he has for me. I will die to myself. And I am choosing to follow Jesus. I know that the people that are up here have done this. By the way, that's why they lead in our church. But I feel like God is saying the same thing that he was saying then. Because it's not enough for him to do what he wants to do in our city. We're going to need more than this. For God to do what he really wants to do in our city this year, we're going to need more than this group of individuals. So today, I want to make an appeal to see if there's at least one more person who has the courage today to boldly declare, I am a follower of Jesus. I, as scary as it is, I will turn from my selfish ways. I will take up my cross and I will follow Jesus. Now listen, I am not going to do what I normally do. I am not going to have you bow your head. I'm not gonna have you close your eyes. In fact, I'm gonna have you keep your eyes open. I'm not gonna ask them to dim any lights. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, scoot out of the row that you are in, as uncomfortable as that may be, as uncomfortable as it may be for your spouse to see you make that decision, or your child to see you make that decision because maybe right now you are being lied to that because you have not been living that way before today that you can't do that in front of them now. As uncomfortable as it is 
for people that have seen you in other environments, that saw you in college. For them to say, oh, you're doing that? As uncomfortable as it is, I'm gonna ask you to scoot out of the row that you're in. And what I imagine Mark chapter eight looked like where he was talking to his disciples and then he said, is there one more to be able to join my disciples? to be able to do that. I'm gonna ask you to come to the front and to join these followers of Jesus. So, is there one more? Is there one more? This may require, come on, turn. I want you to celebrate with these people as they are walking up here, come on. Is there one more? This may require you to swallow your pride, but is there one more? Maybe you've never given your life. Come on, fill it in, fill it in, fill it in. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus, but today you're saying, I want to follow Jesus. Maybe that you have been a believer, a Christian, you've received that free gift of grace, but you're saying, now is the time. Now is the time. Come on, fill it in. I know it is. No, I know it's uncomfortable. I know it is. Fill it in, fill it in, fill it in, fill it in. If there's spots right here, fill it in, fill it in, fill it in. Maybe you've been a faithful follower of Jesus for decades, but today you want to boldly put a line in the sand, solidify that decision and publicly declare, I am a follower of Jesus. I will turn from my selfish ways. I will take up my cross and I will follow Jesus. Is there one more? Is there one more? I want everybody to stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. Everybody stand to your feet. Church, can we clap our hands? Come on for people that are saying, man, that's the decision I want to make. It's the decision I want to make. Uh, Listen, 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 let me nice, let me nice, let me nice, let me nice. I'm so proud of you. It's on my heart. Every father that is standing up here right now, I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I believe this costs something, this costs something. But I believe with all my heart that this decision right here, right now, that it is very well worth the cost. And I believe that this is the best decision that you will ever make. So I want to lead you in a prayer. And I'm going to ask you to repeat this. And so let's pray together. Repeat this. Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this moment. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for inviting me to follow you. And right now, I make the decision to turn from my selfish ways, to take up my cross, and to follow you. For the rest of my life, I gladly pay that price. In Jesus' name I pray. Come on, and everybody said, amen. Come on, can you clap your hands? If there's anything in your life that we can pray for, please visit queencitypeople.com slash prayer. For the latest updates on our church, follow us on social media at Queen City People 
or visit queencitypeople.com.